This is Isaac Morehouse. Welcome to the podcast where we discuss education, entrepreneurship, big ideas, how to put them into practice in the real world, and above all, how to live free. Hey, everybody. Before I get into this juicy little short about public schooling, I'm going to give a little plug for the Praxis Teen Entrepreneurship course. Go to discoverpraxis.teachable.com. Discoverpraxis.teachable.com. There is an intensive 60 day course targeted at 14 to 18 year olds who are interested in becoming an entrepreneur, working with a startup, and unleashing that entrepreneurial energy. We don't believe entrepreneurs can be created. We don't believe entrepreneurship can be taught, certainly not in a classroom, but not even through this wonderful Praxis curriculum. The point of this curriculum is really to unlearn all the things that we tend to pick up in schooling, from parents, society, that squash our entrepreneurship, that force us to just focus on following rules and chasing after achievements rather than being innovative. That entrepreneurial spirit, it's in all of us. We want to fan the flame. This is not a additive process where we're building, we're adding new tools onto you through teaching because entrepreneurship isn't quite like that. This is a, a subtractive process. I don't even know if I'm using that word correctly. It's chiseling away all the crud that's built up and kind of stifled that inner experimental, playful, innovative human. So check it out, discoverpraxis.teachable.com. Enjoy this episode. Adam Smith and David Hume, two giants of the Scottish Enlightenment, two brilliant thinkers, philosophers, and social theorists. Now, they had a lot in common, but they also differed in some very important ways. Hume was not a fan of religion. He thought it was largely bad for society and not a good thing. He wanted less of it. Smith, on the other hand, was a fan of religion. He thought it was good for society, and he wanted more of it. Now, when the question of whether or not England ought to support the church, whether there should be a state-supported Anglican church officially established and taxpayer dollars funneled to it, when that question arose, these men had different answers. Now, if you're going to guess what their answers are, I bet you're assuming that Smith wanted state support for the church and Hume, not being a fan of religion, did not. But it was actually the opposite. Smith did not want state support for the church, even though he was hugely in favor of religion. Hume did want state support, even though he was opposed. The reason is because both of these men understood economics. They understood human nature and they understood economics enough to know what would happen with state support for the church. Now, you might say economics teaches us that if you subsidize something, you get more of it. 
So if you subsidized religion, would you not get more of it? Wouldn't Smith support that and Hume oppose that? Ah, this is where we flip words. We conflate words. Religion is not the thing being subsidized. A particular milk toast, bland, one-size-fits-all institutional version of religion called the Anglican Church is what's being subsidized. And if you subsidize that particular form of religion, that rather weak and flabby sometimes incarnation of religion, you will get more of that. And Smith believed that more state-run churches would result in a less religiously fervent populace. Hume agreed with him, which is exactly why he wanted the state to support a church, to decrease the religious devotion of the populace. Because if you have a church that doesn't have to compete for members— They don't have to give sermons that entice people and excite them and make them feel like this is so life-changing they're willing to voluntarily give their money. If you don't have to compete for members and their tithes, you will become very bland and stultified and people will sort of say, well, I'm religious because I go to church and I don't see the cost that's taken from my tax, tax dollars. And I go and it's all just sort of well and good. That fire will never spring up that religious fervor because you're subsidizing the bland, uniform, condensed version of it and often regulating any deviation from that. So the state-funded church does not increase but reduces the amount of religious devotion in the populace. What does this have to do with a podcast episode on public schooling? Well, you're smart listeners. I bet you have already made the connection. There is this assumption that publicly funded schooling exists in order to increase the amount of education, to increase the amount of learning, to increase the amount of knowledge and information that people, that citizens have. The opposite is true. Now, whether or not people intend for the opposite to be true, it is true. However, in the history of schooling, the intention was very clear. Schooling, public schooling, was never intended to increase the amount of education among society, to increase the amount of learning, the amount of ideas, knowledge, engagement with different information and beliefs. No, 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 no. Public schooling was intended from the beginning to reduce the amount of education. There was, frankly, too much education going on. It was too diverse, too varied. There were too many people learning too many things that were potentially threatening to central planners who like a hegemonic state where everyone believes roughly the same thing and they can easily be controlled and plugged in to their appropriate place in society. This is not necessarily some evil, horrible villain scheme. This was well-meaning people who thought centrally controlled economies and societies were preferable. And darn it, all these independent people who have all these wildly different theories based on where they lived, where they grew up, what kind of work they do, they're learning radically different things. The population is too diverse 
We need to homogenize it. We need to reduce and restrict what education is. We need to tighten it up. We need to put a fence around it and say, this is what education is. You can learn these five things, none of which are threatening to the state, the status quo, all of which will increase the odds that you'll be a dutiful citizen and soldier and taxpayer and everything else. And that you'll all kind of know the same thing and roughly agree on the same core ideas about history and how to interpret it and what kind of language to use. We don't want all this diversity and all these competing cultural norms and beliefs and scientific theories and inventions. No, 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 no. We got to homogenize it. We need to reduce the amount of education in society. That's what public school did and was intended to do. Just like Hume and Smith understood, a taxpayer-supported Anglican church would reduce the amount of religiosity, taking away competition, subsidizing church would reduce religion. Subsidizing school reduces education. Now we come to conflate school with education, just like many people come to conflate church with being religiously devoted. And to those who are truly religiously devoted, they understand the problem with that. Those who are true learners, autodidacts, people who love education, understand, as Mark Twain famously said, that schooling gets in the way of education on purpose. It was intended to, and that's precisely what it does. So, when you think about schooling, taxpayer-supported schooling, when you subsidize something, you get more of it. You subsidize 30 kids in a cinder block cell with one teacher teaching them state-approved, bureaucrat-approved facts. You're going to get more of that. And when you regulate something, you get less of it. When you regulate all competitors, all other forms of schooling, when you regulate children's ability to work, uh, they usually even can't even work, um, their ability to go do other things, to earn money or to, to interact outside of school, when you regulate and make it very hard to do anything other then go to the one school, you get less of those other things. And those other things are called learning. They're called education. So you get less education and you get more schooling. That is what happens. So when people say, what do you mean you, you don't support government funding for education? Well, no, because government funding for education always comes in a particular form. And that particular form is called schooling. And schooling reduces learning. It doesn't expand it. I value learning and education so much that I don't dare put it in the hands of this institution who will reduce and restrict the supply and the diversity and the competition and the fervency among learners, among citizens, among children, among all people. Like Adam Smith opposing state-established religion, I oppose state-established education. Hey, if you like this podcast, go check it out on iTunes, Isaac Morehouse Podcast. Give us a rating, give us a review. I would absolutely love it. It's also on Stitcher. You can find this podcast, all the episodes with some show notes, a lot of articles on isaacmorehouse.com. A final plug, sign up for the newsletter. I send out a monthly newsletter and then usually a couple of shorter in-betweens with some updates on what I'm up to, but I usually review a piece of content, a book or a podcast or an article or something to that effect. IsaacMorehouse.com, you can sign up for the newsletter. You'll get a free ebook when you do my book on education. Uh, 
timing, uh, good timing with the, uh, the, the topic of this episode. So check it out, isaacmorehouse.com. Thanks for listening.